Are you recording? I am recording. Okay, sorry. We were just doing our breathing exercises, getting ready for this youngest of most young podcasts. What's this podcast, by the way? This is Height Drop. Oh. Height Drop, the podcast. Alright, I think I've heard of it before. Have you, actually? Yeah. You know I'm the reason you basically have that name for this podcast, right? I don't. Please explain. You remember the whole Height Drop thing? Oh, yeah. Where do you you did that, kind of originate that. Where do you think that, that started, bro? <laughs> Tell us, actually, because we do owe you some royalties, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, what? not maybe, definitely. Because <laughs> I remember it was a big thing. How did it actually come to be? Because I wasn't even, like, super, I wasn't super involved. Okay. And I know that you did a goofy-ass... I don't, I don't know if I originated it. I certainly didn't originate the height drop. That's, that's for sure. But well, we aren't the height drop. We yeah. are... Hydro. Just straight yeah. up hydro. Yeah, I just mean the action in general. Clearly, I didn't have much to do with it. Everybody does those, but um, oh yeah, you didn't invent falling or jumping <laughs> from something tall. Yeah, um, we basically what happened. I don't even remember really. It was a long time ago. People started. I don't know if it was maybe somebody from Boston or something, but we started thinking it was funny to jump off high stuff, not roll, and no hands, because if the hands touch, it doesn't count. So you have to just drop off something, stick it with your legs, and then, and, but before you go, the main thing was you have to go, high drop! So, <laughs> Why, though? Because it's funny. It is funny. Uh, and, like, I, so I made one, like, a long time ago. You can check my Facebook videos. It's out there somewhere with uh, Logan. And, uh, yeah, was, I tried to make it sound really nervous, because it sounded funnier. So I was like, height drop, and then I did it, and then a little bit after that, uh, like, I didn't like doing them, obviously, so I didn't really continue with it. I was like, okay, I'm a one-and-done guy, you know, but... <laughs> you did the shit out of yeah, it. but... You did a pretty big-ass height but, drop, if I'm not mistaken, but... But Chris... Chris did He the ran one. away with it, so we oh, got yeah, him... Yeah, that's what so, I remember in Tegrano. So we got Chris to do a lot of high drops... <laughs> And they were all hilarious. And, uh, yeah, so that that's where it kind of, I, I mean, I'm not saying we completely popularized it, but I think. What did you think when Kai Willis came out with his own high drop compilation? Oh, man. Because he did that series of them by IMAX that was actually pretty dope. It was actually yeah. the only high drop that well, was like, all right. For me, like almost... for me um, it's only a high drop if you. Are standing on top of the thing, just standing. No running, obviously. Okay. You drop off of it. You you have to basically stick the landing, so no moving from your landing, no rolling or anything, no stumbling. Can you, like, take a step out, or does it have to be, like, feet land, they don't move? Um, or is it just I'd say bonus it's okay. points? I'd say it's okay if, yeah, if, if you, like, you kind of absorbed it and then stepped out or something. It's not obviously as clean, but it still counts. <laughs> Main thing is no hands. Okay. No hands on a high drop. So you can't do... A monkey slap, you can't do a ground kong, you can't do a roll, um, or it's not a high drop. So that that was our main thing is like, no hands, straight drop, and you know you try to stick it. What about like does it count if it's accidental or do you have to do it on purpose for it to be? No, it doesn't have to be on purpose, but it's funnier when you're on top and you go high drop and then go because I. Don't well, know. by that criteria, Dylan's massive drop isn't actually a high drop. Because it's he touched his hands, hands yeah. So, 
It's a drop from height for sure. <laughs> it's but a it's drop not, from height, but it's not a but height drop. It ain't no height drop. Yeah, and he came off backwards. I don't know. It's just <laughs> technically no. That's just the way it is. I I, I didn't invent the. He's criteria. gonna have to go back there and do it again if he really wants to get in the book Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, which uh, I'm sure he will. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been known to go back. <laughs> he's been known to go back. He's been known to go do back. a few things. Maybe make a video on it. <laughs> Let's uh introduce you to anyone who doesn't already know pretty sure like we have a wide fan base just far-reaching and there's some people out there that just might not know who dante grazioli is oh my god that listens to this pike i don't podcast all right so my name's dante grazioli i am 21 years old i'm from colorado springs colorado currently i'm on the apex movement pro team Oh shit, dog! Yeah. How'd you do that? How'd I do that? Damn, son. Oh yeah, I don't know how I did it, but <laughs> I did it. Um, I started when I was thirteen uh, with a bunch of friends. We would free run around at a place called Cottonwood Park. It's a big playground with blue and orange rails. Um, we made tons of videos of us jumping off stuff, doing dumb backflips, and getting yelled at for having bad form basically throughout <laughs> the first few years and. <laughs> Just doing massive backflips off things. <laughs> yeah, you took a lot of heat, dude. Because, like, when I first... I didn't, I haven't, you've been doing it since you were... What did you say? 13? 13, yeah. Which is now eight years ago. And I've only been around for about five years now. And Actually, nine years. Damn, son. Yeah. Nine years. I didn't really know... What was it like growing up in, like, that scene? Because you've been around... You're, like, pretty super OG at this point. In a sense, yeah, you could say that. And was like growing up. What's it like growing up getting shit talked on you for bad form? How Um, did you respond? Because I heard you were kind of a controversial figure when I first heard about you. Yeah, that was like damn this kid Dante. That was for a bit different reasons, (laughs) but I'll I'll go into all of it. Let's go. Let's go into all of it. Okay, so um, basically, yeah, when I started parkour, parkour uh, in quotations because I didn't do parkour. Basically, I saw, you know... But would you say you did free running back then? Or oh, like, yeah, for sure. You were like... I was a free runner. You knew what you were doing. Yeah. So when I started free running, um, basically started because the most, you know, the cliche, somebody shows you a video of somebody and you're like, oh, I didn't know that it existed. I'm going to do it. So my dad showed me a, a video of like three run. I don't even think it was on YouTube, because I don't think YouTube was really a thing back then. It was on something, you know, just typical, one of the first three-run videos that got really famous. Mm-hmm. I don't remember quite what it was, but I could find it, obviously. Um, so I thought it was cool. Like, I, I had a trampoline since I was really young and could do flips on a trampoline, so I was like, oh, I want to be able to do flips outside and do all that stuff. thought wall spins were the weirdest, <laughs> coolest looking thing ever, you know? So... Fucking wall spins, man. So I had some some friends, and we started, you know, just jumping off of really high stuff, because you know that's the natural progression. Yeah. As you see this stuff, you go, okay, I want to jump off high stuff, and through that, you know, learn to not hurt yourself. So Did you ever break anything or? No. All right. Um, so, uh, I mean, I might have broken my toe, but that was only a couple years ago. So not in the start, at least. Okay. So yeah, me and a bunch of friends basically started out jumping off stuff, and eventually we found a gymnastics gym, and we were able to kind of turn our flips that we could do on trampolines into doing them on the mats, which we eventually learned how to do outside. 
and through that we learned to do really high flips outside off of stuff and then yeah so so at this point you're putting out videos now putting out videos and people are seeing us do backflips and frontflips off things that are abysmally high especially for a 14 or a 15 year old (laughs) (laughs) with just bad landings bad rolls and just high stuff just high shit did you know they were bad or you just like you were you ignorant to the fact of like this could be bad for my legs or like i don't know how did you feel about it back then i was absolutely ignorant to the fact i did not (laughs) think that as long as I, you know, as long as I did it okay and felt okay with it, and maybe if I, I got a little shock, you know, from hitting the ground, you know, mm-hmm. I'd be like, whatever, it goes away in a minute <laughs> or even less, and you, you're good to go, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've obviously taken some bad landings, but as for, like, injury immediately, there was not really anything that happened, and as for chronic injury... I'm still training now, so I got away with it for sure. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So that. So yeah. The main controversy there was just lots of people that would see our videos would be like, "Why are these kids flipping off this high stuff?" Obviously, we were going into softer stuff like wood chips, grass, dirt, stuff like that. Not like doing huge drops onto concrete because yeah. we probably couldn't. Yeah. And then. Yeah, and then obviously our rolling landing form wasn't that good. I remember when I first started doing this stuff, I didn't even really roll. I'd do like a barrel roll or just <laughs> fall over afterwards. So, so yeah. So what was like the reaction then from people talking shit on your videos or whatever? And like who was doing it? Who was like calling you out? Is it like people in the community that are high up that you respected? Or people that you followed? Or is it anyone like... like... <laughs> well, um, from very early age when we we started as the freak flyers and then eventually we um justin schaefer had a team called team Vane, and we kind of mixed in with that we're doing a thing with team Vane where that was our team or whatever which you know we were just a bunch of teenagers so we thought having a team and all that drama behind it was so cool <laughs> but um yeah i remember specifically around the team Vane days there were there were people that like, we were getting more um, kind of well-known and where people were respecting us because we were still doing, you know, some more advanced stuff for that back in the day. But also... What up, man? Um, you doing good? Yeah, yeah, we're doing a podcast right now. Sorry. No, don't worry about it. That was just a little spice <laughs> little spice to add, you know, keep these viewers on their toes, these <laughs> listeners on their toes. Some random Swedish guy just walked in. <laughs> all right. Yeah, we're coming to you live. Not live at all, but we're coming to you pre-recorded from the Airwhip Academy in Sweden. Yeah, Anyhow, continue. Pretty sweet place. Yeah, so our, there are videos still out there of these random, I think they were British guys, that they also were around our age, had a parkour team. Um, they weren't very good, but <laughs> but they would they would just absolutely make fun of us all the time. They would comment on our videos and just just be super mean. They'd even went so far to, like, take our videos and, like, make commentary of them or dub over them. So they, they've they made, there's still at least one online where you can, it's called, like, Team Vane Sucks or something. And it's just this guy going, all right, here's a review of a Team Vane vid. What are we going to see? Flips, spins, and oh, more flips. So they like to complain that we didn't do parkour at all, which we pretty much didn't. So, um... From then, we always kind of got used to it, and obviously when you're teenagers, 
teenagers are horrible people, and they're mean to each other all the time. So you kind of have this hard shell, and then uh, you you kind of get used to it. And in ways it's good, but in other ways it's bad because then even constructive criticism you try to kind of block it out. Yeah. And I would remember going to um, jams or stuff like that, and people would show genuine concern <laughs> for what I'm doing, like not at the jam or anything, yeah. but they'd be like, "Hey man, I've seen some of your stuff and." might want to be careful and i'd be like oh whatever like fuck that guy that guy doesn't know what he's talking about he can't even do this flip that i was doing so i'd be like oh it doesn't matter he's not qualified to tell me Mm -hmm. so yeah that's pretty much where the how i grew up was just lots of people telling me i was doing everything wrong (laughs) so now what's changed like how does it feel now that you've been in the game this long you have started to pay attention and have good form or, or you know, where do you consider yourself? Like what? <laughs> to an extent. To an extent. Um, Max Henry has labeled you the gargoyle, <laughs> gargoyle like style or some shit. But uh, what's up, Ludwig? What up? We got uh, Ludwig in the house from Sweden. He's a good guy. We're recording this podcast right now, and ah, cool. So, so if you could just get I'll the just, fuck I'll out. Just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll just leave. So yeah, no, no, you can. I just don't want there to be like a lot of excess noise, okay? <laughs> okay. Jesus, Thank you. it's like it's not like he's letting us stay at his house later or anything. <laughs> Jesus God. All right. So where was I? I was just um, oh, asking like, like, what is it like now? What's it like now? Coming How has it changed? Um, things have changed in the way that I've obviously gotten more adept than I was then at landings and stuff. Um, I don't find joy in jumping off really really high stuff often. If at all, <laughs> um, I prefer to do more difficult, um, maybe difficult or technical maneuvers than just having the difficulty from being afraid at how high you are up and hoping you don't mess up and hurt yourself really bad, <laughs> um, and stuff like that. And like I remember thinking that you were like the twisting and flipping dude when I first met you because that's what like your mm-hmm. reputation was kind of at least as far as I knew yeah but, like this is right when this is before you were on Apex Pro Team and before I was too I think and I remember first time I trained with you I was like alright this Dante dude everyone says he's like beast at flips and stuff um, but you were like for whatever reason training mostly parkour that day in the gym Mm-hmm. I actually had, like, a really good time trying to train and keep up with you. And I was just like, holy shit, like, what, what the fuck are people talking about? Like, he's a, a beast. Like, you did this, a few things that um, were super gnarly, some, like, precisions, and then you did this double con through, like, the whatever, the older your gym. Foot, right? And I was like, I remember, like, that time, that was one of those times I let my ego kind of, like, get the best. Not my ego, but I was just, like, thinking, I was like, all right, if he's supposed to be good at flips and shit, like, and parkour is supposed to be more my territory. Mm-hmm. Like, this is one of those times you can't let, like, people's perceptions define, you know, your movement style. And, like, especially you can't let what people are, you know, doing influence what you're doing and your intentions. But I kind of felt like, I was like, all right, I feel like me and Dante have been training all day. And I did, but it was the first time I really trained with you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if he's not supposed to be, like, super solid on all of his parkour, but he's doing, like, all this beast shit, I was like... I should be able to do some of this stuff. And mm. I fucked my foot up on that yeah. double Kong because Which, I was going in, I think, with shitty intention. 
and I wasn't trying to compete with you, but I was just like thinking like, all right, no, yeah, I, I think like, I just remember just being like, damn, like it was fun training with you, and I thought like, we were near the same level, mm-hmm. and it was gonna be a good idea to just like kind of try the things that you were trying, but yeah, I I think I underestimated, you know, just how long you'd been training and how like adept like you said you you were a movement and i think that happens kind of often in a way uh, to a lot of people but um in the way that i've experienced it is that i'm relatively young compared to a lot of people that do parkour you know that are at least in the kind of higher echelon yeah so i mean yeah you're only 21 21. you're 26 yeah so you kind of look at me and you you think maybe this guy can't have more experience than me, even though, Well, you know, I knew you did you have more experience. Thing. I just thought that so your niche that, was, like, super flip and twisty. And that's the other thing I get, I yeah. think I get under, under experiences, is because in videos, if you do flips and stuff, people will usually know the difficulty of a flip right there yeah. because they know exactly what the flip is. I mean, obviously, yeah. it's different if it comes to you flip You can see the height, and you can see, like, you know what the flip but, is. Yeah, but if you're like, okay, he just did a triple A twist, I know that's very hard. Yeah, yeah. But when people are doing jumps and stuff in a video, you you can't know for sure if it's easy or hard or what what is weird about that jump, I'd say, as much as a flip. So in that way, I think people can usually they'll look at his flips and there's usually a stereotype oh if somebody's really good at one thing then they have to be lacking at other things yeah yeah and for people in free running and parkour it's usually oh if this person's got really crazy technical flips they're probably going to be lacking in parkour yeah because that's just it's the stereotype that usually is true Mm -hmm. and um so like usually when when i go out and train a lot of the times i like Especially with people that I've never really met, I like to do parkour and stuff to kind of show people, hey, I'm not. Yeah, you're not just like I'm not just this guy that's a tricker that's actually pretty bad at parkour, you know. So like, I don't claim to be super great at parkour or anything, but um, I think I do get underestimated in uh, things that I do in parkour every once in a while. Yeah, definitely, I think you do, and it's crazy because you're like all around like a really legit like powerful athlete and i think that's why you're good at any of those movements you know Mm -hmm. because you can jump really fucking far (laughs) which translates into jumping high for tricks and stuff too but like yeah it is interesting that that is like a fallacy of logic i think for a lot of people is like if you're good at this they try to like buck or categorize you yeah you're like all right he does flips this guy does parkour but yeah. and you know and it it, there's the there's crossovers too. the other way too yeah like sometimes people are sometimes somebody, you're like oh that guy's really good at rail prees yeah I bet he can't even do a front flip or yeah. a cork or something you know so it goes both ways but I think um, for the most part if it's it's actually the the logic should follow that if you see someone who's really really good at one thing they're actually probably really good at a lot of other things yeah. too because. Yeah, it's, they're just like super solid with their movement skill in general. Yeah, it's you know? something you kind of just have to see the evidence of it. You can't yeah. you can't <laughs> assume what people are going to be good and bad at. Of course, everybody has their strengths and weaknesses, but you're not going to know until you see them firsthand. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, and it's like it's weird just because it's it's anyone's just interest anyhow. The, whatever their their motivations are for training and like what they decide to train is of eventually course. what they get at get yeah. good at. So. Um, I'm still really bad at lots of stuff that could be considered really basic yeah, just because I have well. no interest in it, you know? Yeah, me as well. I don't do wall flips. 
Like, I I still don't know really, like, how to do a wall flip that well. It's all right, dude. <laughs> it's, like, pretty, pretty it's funny. I could absolutely throw one, and I'd probably land on my feet, like, every try that I first try of the day or whatever. Yeah. But I go into it being, like, I don't have, like, this down. Yeah. I mean, it's it happens funny. with everything. Everybody has their weaknesses, and... Yeah. That's why we just got to try and hide them as best as possible. Hide them. Yeah, don't let anyone know. Don't let people know your weaknesses because that's embarrassing. Go <laughs> go practice that stuff when the gym's empty. Right? <laughs> yeah, for sure don't let anyone catch you with your pants down. <laughs> All right, so that's dope. Um, how'd you end up on Apex Pro Team? Because um, you were kind of – it didn't seem like you were wanting to be a part of Apex initially. <laughs> Um, or maybe, I don't know. That, this is, these so. are just rumors and shit. I don't know. But, like, when I first heard about you, it seemed like you were kind of, like, still rebelling a little bit against, like, mm-hmm. you know, any any educational facility. Like, yeah. trying to dictate, like, all right, this is good form, this isn't, or whatever. And mm-hmm. perhaps yeah. being critical of people that yeah. are training, like, have training habits that don't match their philosophy. Mm-hmm. But then you ended up joining the team. So, I think a lot of the kind of stigma of me being kind of against Apex, in a way, Mm -hmm. um, it was, it has its bases, but I obviously, like, I can see where it got taken to places where it it wasn't like that. (laughs) So, obviously, um, Apex has been around a long time, around as long as I have, so I've kind of had run-ins with Apex throughout the years, and... Apex, just as much as I was, was a different thing. I was a different person back then. They were a different kind of facility. They were a different kind of brand than uh-huh. than they are now. And um, I think in that sense, I got misconceptions about Apex that proved to not be true for a long time, but they were true to me because I just didn't... I wasn't close enough with any of those people to, to kind of hash it out or figure out what the truth was. Yeah. So... I, I found Apex to be much more um, about strength conditioning than I uh-huh. ever thought they were. Um, I know there's a lot of kind of parkour groups that are just all about their conditioning. Like, they condition more than they train. Yeah. And I thought Apex was just the Colorado or an American version of that. Uh-huh. And, like, maybe back then I was more bitter about it because I was a dumb teenager. <laughs> um, but, I but- mean, to... To phrase it now is is that's not my thing and and I would never be that kind of guy. Yeah. Um. And I guess that's how I felt about it back then. So it was like, I I why would I associate with people that are during their whole open gym doing push ups and pull ups when that's not something I'm ever gonna do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I obviously found out that's not Apex. That was just some of the people affiliated that were more about strenuous strenuous workouts than they were actually improving in parkour and you run into that shit like to this day with the yamakaze and stuff oh, yeah. like it seems like they have this similar mentality where people are kind of like all right at a certain point what are you getting good at mm-hmm. parkour or get doing a shitload of push-ups yeah which like to each their own if that's what you want to do that's fine but yeah. like obviously it's it gets tricky when it's like you're teaching a generation of people what parkour is and you're doing something that a lot of people think it's not, Yeah. you know, but yeah. So to that sense, um, I guess I, I was like, I obviously loved going to the apex facilities. I loved seeing a lot of people in Denver and Boulder, but I was like, I don't know if this is like something that I want to be a part of. 
I all I've always loved the scientific methodical approach to parkour and free running. Yeah. But I never really saw it shine through from Apex until the later years. Right. And so, um, I think around the time when maybe I would even be considered was probably when I was figuring out Rogue Squad stuff. Yeah. So then I may have not been interested because I wanted to, you know, kind of pursue Rogue Squad and figure that stuff out. But then obviously after that kind of had its run, I was like, okay, like Apex not only is pretty sweet, I like all the people on it, but they also have an Illegal Pete sponsorship, which is one of my favorite restaurants. (laughs) So I like... I kid you not, that was one of the deciding factors <laughs> yeah. for me making a video and kind of getting on the team. Nice. Yeah, dude, uh, talk about Rogue Squad real quick, because... So Rogue Squad was genuinely a good idea. I yeah, think. it was like, Americans were not well represented, really, on the global scene. Yeah. For being like, I mean, this still exists, like this... Europeans are just better than Americans mentality, it yeah. seems like. And even like a style in America. wise, mentality wise, everything. Yeah, like just everything about Americans is inferior when it comes to parkour training. Yeah. Was that like legit one of the motivations for putting together Rogue Squad? It was to like kind of. Sort of. Yeah. I mean, basically, the whole culmination of Rogue Squad is when basically we went to the Tempest Pro Takeover. Mm-hmm. A lot of my, like, me and my friends went to the Tempest Pro Takeover and. As we were driving around, coming back on the road trips and stuff, I think we were going to Vegas or something, when we started talking about, like, a lot of us had been kind of just doing our own thing for a while, and we were like, you know, it'd be cool to have a team, but, like, what's going to make us stand out when it comes to, say, the Frangs, the Tempests, the stuff like that? Mm -hmm. And I thought one of the things that isn't really done at all is just an absolute elite team of people. Um... But obviously, to have an elite team, you're going to have to pick from a large pool. So we were like, okay, well, there's no... We don't want to create an elite team of people that'll take a long time. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to have a less than elite team of people, so we'll have to reach in a large pool. Why not the USA? That's a large pool of people to pick through. They're, it's relatively untapped. And we have a lot of friends from coast to coast that we've met that we know are... They're nice people. They're good people. They're good at parkour stuff like that so we're like let's make team america <laughs> and basically just um try and put out regular content whenever we're all together whenever some of us are together just make videos put it out and just be beast all around so you approach like arroyo dylan baker yeah we like yeah some well, of your friends from colorado springs finney Quayle. yeah i mean one of the it was like an arbitrary thing but i was like I don't want to pick any single person, basically, that hasn't, like, stayed at my house before. Mm-hmm. If they've never even stayed at my house, I'm like, I, I need to be closer to this person before I would want them on the team. Yeah. And um, there had been, maybe, there might be a couple people that either I hadn't, like, they'd stayed at my house or I hadn't stayed at their house, but... Other people I was making the team with, say, like, Jace Eiley, stuff like that, they basically filled that rule. So we're like, okay, if somebody (laughs) that's one of the main people coordinating is that close with somebody, then I can obviously trust through their judgment that it's somebody we'd want. So, yeah, we were basically like, hey, Daniel Arroyo, he's got Florida covered. Um, Paul White Cotton has kind of the West Coast covered. 
And then obviously the people we're closest with are mostly from Colorado. So we had a big pool of people there. And then um, we wanted to get somebody more of the Upper East Coast, um, and to which we knew Michael Clark and Max Henry. But Max Henry was busy with his kind of Creo collective thing. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think he wanted to get involved. Um, and yeah, so we basically got all those people and we're like, all right, this is going to be cool. I remember that's, that video, when that video dropped, it was like, oh, shit. Yeah. So well, how did it go from like, I mean... I mean, it's kind of funny now because it's just like, whatever, like, things come and go. Yeah. But, like, how do you, like, why do you think Rogue Squad went from, like, damn, son, like, what is happening? Like, Like, I remember when that shit dropped, I was like, fuck, man. Like, straight out the gate. Straight out the gate. People are, I mean, I I remember just watching it going, shit, dude. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things was straight out the gate is, like, not only do we pick people that we trusted and liked, but people that other people tend to like, you know, if Mm -hmm. we were looking at, you know, each person, each of those people, like maybe had a YouTube account and had an established base already. We thought like, how could it not do well if we had all these bases combined into one right there? So that's just kind of way we're like, all right. And then if we just ask everybody for just one clip that they'd be proud of, and it not only gets you a little bit competitive with everybody else that you're doing it with to make sure you put in something good into the pot, mm-hmm. but also it's just one clip, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not asking get. much. Yeah. So why didn't why didn't it work out? So, yeah, I think things went well, and with the clothing was going fine, and I liked the clothing. Jace did a great job of designing it, and I liked that stuff. Um, but ma- mainly it wasn't working out because, because we picked from that such a large pool, um managing those people was too difficult yeah um obviously all these people are talented athletes they have a lot going on yeah uh, in their lives not only just professionally but just with who they are they have a lot going on so trying to coordinate them to get regular content especially when we were not guaranteeing anything from the start really we were obviously um giving the clothing yeah but we weren't guaranteeing any payment or anything like that so we basically um, were not it was hard to get to like everyone motivated and yeah. like participating and, and there was no manager there was no yeah. head of the team so there was nobody to basically have a job of making sure everybody got their stuff in and even because of that making the very first video with one clip from everybody was was super difficult to make yeah. track everyone down make sure we got their clip and stuff like that damn alright so what are your three rules do's and don'ts for people since you've been on a, several teams now what do you recommend for people that want to start a team? Well, what, what are your like okay. things to do, things okay. to not do? Number one is what do you want from the team? Do you, if you want to sell clothing, like know what you're doing with selling clothing. Know, like follow the clothing and figure out what is going to help and what's going to hinder that. So basically, just know what your market you're looking for is, what you're wanting to do with your team. Do you want to be a team that makes videos? Do you want a team that gets jobs? Do you want a team that has a clothing brand, you need to basically know what it is your goal is because if you just say, oh, we want this team that's able to do everything, then you're going to spread yourself too thin and you're not going to basically have a goal to keep your sights Mm -hmm. on. So that would be number one. Uh, Number two is have somebody as a designated coordinator. Um, I know a lot of people when they make teams, they want it to be this big equal experience where everybody is working together and through that. 
but if if people don't have allocated jobs of what they should be doing for the team, it's then nobody's gonna feel the kind of direction. any reason to do anything. And they say, you oh, somebody else will cover my back. Yeah, I don't have to do anything because somebody else will do it. And when everybody has that attitude, nothing gets done. Um, and then the last thing is just um, know that you're gonna be close or able to collaborate with those people often, because. Although we assumed with all the people on the team we'd see them often enough, it's like we were kind of biased in the fact that we created it in the summer in a time yeah. that's basically jam season. Yeah. In the summer, everybody's traveling around, so we can see everybody a lot. But then when it comes back to fall, winter, things kind of die down, and you don't see people as much. Word. Oh, you heard it from uh, what? Do you, who do you think's doing it well right now? Like, what are your teams that you're like, damn, that shit's working for them? Um, well, obviously, Farang is seems to be making a great job with putting out regular to- content um making money on their clothing making lots of different clothing um getting jobs stuff like that so Frank seems to be doing a good job with it mm-hmm. um tempest clothing seemed to die off a bit in the last few years but they're obviously doing a good job with the hollywood jobs with their gyms yeah stuff like that they definitely run <laughs> um i think apex is doing a good job although it's a bit different um, they're not so much on the clothing side as they are on the kind of educational side, gym, franchising type stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, so those are some, like, three small kind of things that are, I think they're all doing pretty well. Yeah. The Apex videos are pretty fun to shoot, too, these days. Yeah. I think we're doing a good job with that. You said several times that you're just, like, glad to have a reason to fucking come up. Yeah. And just do training, because otherwise... Yeah. It's funny, because... As good as you are, <laughs> you don't train that much. You have really funny ideas about, like, how to train because mm-hmm. you've gotten to this level where, like, it doesn't make sense for you to be training all the time, maybe. Or just, yeah. like, you know you know yourself, you know your style. It's just... And, yeah, go ahead. I think a lot of people that excel in anything are people who basically need to be excited about it often they need to be stimulated often or else they're going to get bored um and i think a lot of people that get good at exceptionally good at things are also in a a form lazy Mm -hmm. if you're lazy you're going to try and find the most efficient way to do something you're you're not going to put in effort that's not going to get you good returns and through that you're going to find the most streamlined method of improving at getting good at something or putting basically making something happen and through that, I think, um, not only have I been kind of in the parkour world for about nine years, yeah, um, which is a long time considering I'm 21 now, I turned 22 this month, and when I'm 26, half of my life will basically have been parkour. Damn. So, um, so what keeps you motivated now? Like, so, um, and what basically, are you like trying to, like, do, you, do you, what are your goals for? Yeah. So... Um, because I guess because it's hard to get excited about parkour when it's been around that long, you've been doing it for so long, you've seen so much, it's hard to keep it exciting, mm-hmm. especially when you, at some points you just feel like you've seen it all. Yeah. Um, and you've learned you've so much. You've been high, you've been yeah. so, not low necessarily, <laughs> but just like not. Yeah, so I think kind of the things that keep it exciting for me is just more so the 
obviously the the making a living aspect becoming older you obviously want to be able to find a solid way to make use of the skills you have and also be able to you know live comfortably from those skills and um so that's obviously something to pursue since there's so many different ways to pursue it and it's not exactly an easy thing but it's always there's always something new to be kind of trying and things come up and it's always exciting in that way and then another way it can stay exciting is just through the people you meet it's fun to kind of have this this method or this sport in which you're able to be opened up to a bunch of people and be social with them and obviously there's going to be a lot of people you don't click with but there's also going to be a lot of people that you do click with and you can create good memories and have good times with those people through parkour through life in general um thankfully because of parkour <laughs> so um is there any things in particular that you see yourself doing then or are you just kind of still figuring it out and like part of like while you're on this tour is just for the adventure to make yeah. those friends so do you mean like particular things I see myself doing in parkour or just or, yeah, I mean like yeah like why why are you on this tour like you're participating in this documentary with us um like what's your stake in it or do you have any okay so I mean the whole reason I'm on this trip in the first place is because when I was hanging out with everybody we all were in Florida back in January yeah uh, Max Henry was like, yeah, I'm going to Europe uh, in a couple months or something. I want to go and visit some people and do stuff. And although I've been training nine years, I never got a good reason to go to Europe other, or at least like a long trip. I've been to Germany once in 2009 for a competition, but I never got to go to all the famous London spots or anything like that that, you know, I've always thought were really cool and at least wanted to visit them once and stuff like that. So through that, I was like, I have money. I I want to go on this trip um, because I have a good excuse to go now. A lot of my friends um, that would have gone on the trip with me don't really care so much about parkour that much anymore or don't do it to the point where they're going to shell out the money to go on a trip like this. So mm -hmm. I'm like, I have these friends that do. So <laughs> I basically got on board with Max Henry and through that. Kind yeah, of, and he fucked us, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I got on board with that with Max Henry, and then obviously you and Dylan joined in and and stuff like that. And by the time I had bought the tickets, then like Dylan a shitload and, of people gone. Yeah, a lot of people were gone, and then Dylan had decided, oh, we should make a documentary. So yeah, it's not like I decided to come because of the documentary. It's kind of a thing yeah. that happened. But yeah, I think it's a really cool project. And I'm glad it happened, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Dope. We're excited to have you making us laugh out here. What do you think of Europe? What do I think of Europe? Yeah, what's well, now? What's your experience been like? We've had you make some pretty interesting observations <laughs> since we've been here. Yeah, I said some of my grievances already <laughs> last night. You heard his grievances last night, but no, Europe's really cool. Um, like, obviously, traveling to any place, I'm gonna have a good time as long as I can get my basically my necessary things that I want in life uh, first, um, which is like. If I can't get a good night's sleep and I can't get clean in the morning or at night, then I'm usually going to be pretty unhappy. But as long as, you know, I can sleep well and I can be clean and sanitary, anything else is usually, you know, up for grabs. I'm not somebody that's so picky that I'm going to be like, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm down for just about anything, as we say very often here in Europe. 
We've been saying a lot of... <laughs> we've got three catchphrases. we got, damn, son, where'd you find this? And Helm's Balls Deep, and... I'm down for anything. I'm down for anything. Just down forever. No one wants to talk or make a decision. <laughs> We're all just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. We I'm have down like, for anything. We just need a dad, someone to, to guide us around <laughs> yeah. out here. So I think Europe's really cool. Um, is any of the hype real, do you think? Or is all of the hype real? Or is it... What's like? What's your take on... Um, training, um, Europe training hype, not real at all. When people say, oh, I want to go to that spot so bad. It's... Mm-hmm. No, you're wrong. <laughs> it, the spots don't matter. It's not the spots that matter. It's the people that are at the spots. It's the experience of everything around the spots that matter. But when it comes to being like, I want to go jump on those rails or those <laughs> walls. Like, that doesn't matter. And I don't think that hype is ever warranted like it's just not (laughs) um you're obviously gonna find some places you're like oh that was fun i had fun there but it's not gonna be like oh i need to go to this spot and do these things that everybody has done or that i'm gonna be like it doesn't matter yeah um so the hype in that sense is real um however the hype of the people definitely real like when you meet people or athletes that you've seen in videos and stuff they wouldn't they wouldn't be known like they are usually unless they lived up to their reputation um, most of the time, at least when it comes to Europeans. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the best things and why I advocate traveling a lot because you will kind of not only get the culture shock from just generally seeing a society working in a dip way much different than your own, but you'll get culture shock from seeing athletes work in a way much different than you do. You'll see them train differently than you do. You'll th- see them do things that you've never thought of. And you'll see them be really good at things that you're not. <laughs> so in that sense, the hype is very real. Yeah, it's been crazy. All right. Let's get to fan questions because <laughs> we've actually been fucking babbling on for quite a bit There's here. probably been some people watching this like, where are they going to? When the <laughs> fuck are they going to talk about this shit? All right. Um, let me get into my Facebook post here. How many questions are there? Two? Um, I think we got a few actually. Oh, 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 oh. oh we got. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shout outs to Dagger. All right. Let's see here. Lucas Demovio throws the first one out. How does one acquire enough DGAF to jump as far as you do? What does your training schedule look like? Give us the secrets. The secrets. Tell us your secrets, Dante. All right. Number one secret of parkour is is never that easy to say. What's your secret? Okay. Nobody has a secret. They just they just put the time in and got good. Um, as for how I acquire enough DGAF to jump as far as I do, um, doesn't take. Um, I've always been an advocate of saying what makes somebody good is not how far they can jump, but how far they're willing to jump. So it doesn't matter if you have a standing broad jump of eleven feet if when you're up on two rails eight feet up you won't jump between them because you're afraid of falling so i think it's more important to be comfortable in your skills confident in your skills confident in having a plan b or a falling method um and then being able to reach your maximum in places where it matters so it's like if as long as you're confident in yourself and you become confident in your abilities then you'll be able to use those abilities whenever you want to or whenever you need them um so for me, it's kind of just being confident in myself, being confident in my my skills, being confident my body is going to do exactly what I want it to, and um, also being confident in the plan B and the falling method and that stuff. 
If, if you've never had to bounce back from a rail and grab a rail, you're going to be much less likely to jump to it than somebody that's obviously had experience bouncing and grabbing a rail or something like that, especially at height. So not only be confident in your abilities in the first place, but be confident in the failure method because a lot of people scare themselves out of stuff because they say, oh, if I mess up, I'm going to hurt myself because I don't know what I'll be doing when I fall. And that's something you need to work on. So I guess that's how I would say it. Weird. I like it. Take that. Patrick Carbajal says, where did you guys get the name Helms Deeper from? I guess I'll field this one. Basically, Helms Deep is, if you guys never watched the Lord of the Rings series, you know what Helms Deep is. It's in the second movie, looking whatever it's called, Two Towers. And just this epic scene where they, they were like, retreat to Helm's Deep for like their <laughs> fortress. I don't really know why. We've just been like for like months before we ever went on this trip, I've been saying like Helm's Deep, like damn dude, I'm going Helm's Deep on this. Because we were saying balls deep. Like damn you go balls deep on that. That's like already an expression. But Helm's Deep is a little bit more fresh, creative mm-hmm. and new, fun. And then sometimes you go Helm's Balls Deep. So we didn't have a name for the tour and Honestly, we just kind of like didn't want it to be like so serious. Like, we, it's it's hard to like not sound douchey when you're like coming up with things to try to pr- promote the the seriousness or whatever of your tour tour. And it's it was an opportunity for us to just be like, you know what, we don't have to take it serious. Let's just call it Helms Deep. Hashtag Helms, Helms Deep. Deep. And then we wanted to go Helms Deeper because <laughs> we realized that Helms Deep, like the hashtag, was already being used by a lot of motherfuckers. And so we decided to adopt Helms Deeper to one up them. Yeah. And Helms well, Deepest, if you really Please don't up. ruin it, by the way, guys. Please Hel- don't take pictures of your nuts. Pe- pe- <laughs> right now, people are not sending Lord of the Rings pictures to the hashtag Helms Deeper. So if you're going to use a Lord of the Rings picture, keep it at Helms Deep. If it's going to have to do with it's this documentary this- tour, then you can go for the Helms Deeper. Helms Deepest, that's free game. That can be anything. Yeah. Helm's Deepest is just like anything that's super gnarly. Maybe it's a combination. Yeah. Doing parkour on the set of Helm's Deep. Oh. Oh, baby. On a tour, on a documentary. All right. Aiden Maltov, who always... Um, before I read this question, he always gives us the most bullshit of questions, but let's go proceed. Why would reptilians want to destroy us? God damn it. How can we stop them, and do they really have... We're not going to address this. Aiden is sure. I don't even think Aiden listens I, to the show. I can do this one. Quickly. I think he just likes to fuck with us. Why do reptilians want to destroy us? Easy. We are not reptilians. They hate us because they ain't us. <laughs> they hate us because they ain't us. Um, do they really have a harbor on Earth's real moon? Um, Earth's real moon. That's entirely up to debate. What a real moon classifies as. I I do not have enough uh, knowledge uh, to kind of delve into that. So I'm sorry. <laughs> all right next up ross allen your protege says what do you want for your birthday ross we talked about this already and i'm glad that you've picked something else than new cup holders for my car um what i want for my birthday is usually the same stuff because i usually have just about everything i want um so I'm always good with money. Um, I'm always good with um, gift cards to stores that I like. But Ross, really, I just want you to take me out on a romantic dinner. So there you go. Clear your Thursday night. Maybe to Fazoli's. 
Do know? they even have Fazoli's anymore? Yes. We have a Fazoli's in Damn. the Springs, and Ross loves to go there. Damn, son. Fazoli's. I do not, but you know what? His birthday's coming up soon, too, so. You guys can split yeah. the coupon. Yeah. All right, Ian William. What was the most terrifying thing that you have accomplished in movement? How did you overcome it? Ooh. I'm going to have to think on that one. Um, let me think for a little bit, because... Um, while you're thinking, I think this is kind of an interesting theme is like people and including myself, we often are interested in like when people are really scared of shit, like what, how, what was the most scary thing? But, uh, most of the time, the answer that I keep getting from most practitioners and the answer that kind of seems to be true to most of us is that we're not terrified when we do it. So it's kind of hard to say because we know you're trying to ask like, what's the craziest shit you ever did? But for the most part, everyone kind of comes back with like, well, if I'm actually really scared, I don't usually do it. And yeah. if you're asking like, what's the scariest thing I ever did? It probably wasn't that crazy because it was just something. Mine's all right. I let's just hear it. Let's it. hear it. Mine was one time I was out filming with like Justin Schaefer, Dan Teal, Noah Mittman. We were going out Colorado Springs downtown. And we climbed up on this roof. I don't know why we went up there. It was probably like a six or seven, six, maybe five or six story roof. Pretty high, obviously. If you jumped off, you'd die. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what we were doing up there. We were just going up there. Um, I don't remember. But we went up there, and there is a Kong cat. Um, and the drop was not the full thing, but it was three story drop if you fell. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, uh, we decided, uh, Justin and I basically somehow decided we wanted to do it. And this was when I was probably 17 or whatever, so I was not, n I wouldn't say I was as solid at that stuff as I am now, if you could even say I am. Um, but, I mean, I might have been getting decent at it to where I was confident enough to be like, alright, I'll do it. Because it wasn't all that far, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. Kong to Cat. It's well, if probably... it's Kong to Cat, I mean... The fucked up thing about Kong to Cats is, like, if you're already going for the cat, yeah. there's cat abort not is an not option. an option now. Yeah. So you have to overshoot or you have to yeah. hit it. Yeah, which brings me back to the story is, um, it was probably, I don't know, eight or nine feet. But, yeah, the drop's three stories, so you can't, can't mess this one up. Um, other than some other things that made it kind of sketchy just because, like, the takeoff, run up, whatever. Um, Justin did it, and he did it flawlessly perfect it was beautiful and then i was like all right like i got you justin i got you bro so i was like okay as long as i go as fast as i can like i'm gonna hit that wall on the other side yeah so i i went for it i conged it and i overshot it so hard i like straight armed it it was super gross looking it was horribly ugly but obviously i wasn't gonna do it again and back then i wasn't much of a i didn't care that much so i was like oh good enough mm -hmm. so um, that was probably the most scared I've ever been, and it was, it was, well, I don't know if it was the most scared I've ever been, but the first thing that comes to mind when you ask that question, and that video is out there in some video, um, that I have, I don't know if it's well, on the How'd you say anymore. you overcame it? Just, you're just like, alright, I just know if I run fast enough or whatever? Yeah, I was like, as long as I put all my power into this Kong, I know I'm gonna make it across, um, and I'm not gonna fall, so whatever. Um... And yeah, so obviously it was still sketching. I was nervous. You could see I was visibly nervous when I did it, and I 
my technique suffered because of how nervous I was. But, yeah, I mean, that was probably one of the few things that comes to mind when you ask that question. Kai McKeever, which is <laughs> Kai, Willis. Kai Willis's alias here, just says airform question mark. Airform. <laughs> what does he mean by that? Um, he means that while he was here, we we all delved in a little bit to something called airform, which is basically when people do poses and stuff, usually in air, uh, to take a picture. Uh, a free running or parkour picture. Um, however, it seems more and more these days, people are, um, they're not even doing actual m parkour or free running movements. They're just jumping and posing in weird ways to kind of make an exciting looking picture because of where they are, maybe on a weird bridge mm -hmm. or the landscape looks cool. But what they're doing themselves is maybe not difficult. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely say it's, not i mean yeah with their skill for the most sets. part if if you see these pictures sure the picture looks cool but if you do parkour you know what they did and you're like okay why <laughs> so for airform obviously it has its merits uh it's incredibly easy to do in most forms if you're not even doing a flip and you're just jumping and grabbing your leg or jumping and doing a weird look or a pose then yeah that's simple you can do it over and over till you get the perfect shot um as for marketing, if people don't do parkour or free running, they probably aren't gonna know that it's just some chilly or cheesy little silly thing. Chilly, <laughs> uh, this cheesy silly thing. Um, as for me, or I'd say a lot of high level or average level practitioners, it's pretty lame. It's pretty cheesy. Pretty pretty lame. Not. Yeah, like I don't know, like if the air form is gonna be like adopted as like the the phrase that we use for this, but. Basically, I mean, we touched on it, I think, in that Goshba article that Dylan wrote for Merm. Mm -hmm. It's just like, anytime you're using, you're taking the short, the shortcut to like, some kind of perceived success of like, doing something rather easy, and trying to make that like, an easy way for your name to get known or whatever, rather than doing something hard. Yeah. I think what happens is, yeah, you might impress a lot of, um people that don't know any better but you know that's just kind of up to you if you want to be the kind of person that wants the respect of your peers you're gonna to have to do something that your peers thinks is challenging yeah and if you want the respect of and it's not even really respect if you just want admiration and idolation of like a bunch of people that don't understand movement or don't understand parkour Airforce, then you might, good for you. then yeah. airform might be your thing um it might be you, I think you still have to establish a present first. I don't think you can get anywhere on Airform alone. But That's true. But Airform can definitely help you once you've established a presence. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's just cheesy. It's silly. And uh, I say video or it never happens. So if I don't – I want to see some videos of Airform. Yeah, yeah. I want to see some I think, Instagram I clips. Think, um, what we want to make sure we all – I mean, like, as far as, like, what we're talking about right now and what a lot of – advanced practitioners would want you know generations of these people that don't understand the movement to know is that you know it doesn't count like you're saying unless you land it well and like the execution is more important because virtually any of us can get into a position in error that looks cool yeah and it doesn't really fucking matter though if you don't 
if you is if there's no skill really involved. Yeah. If your skill is I can Look I can cool. organize a person to take a picture of me while I'm doing something easy, then that's your skill. But if your skill is like I can do something that takes hours of training and preparation to to achieve, then I'm going to give a shit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, we'll, we'll probably touch more on that. And actually, I think when we get to Kai Willis' uh, interview for the documentary, he's going to have some very fun and interesting things to say about it. He's a dynamic character. So uh, any last words for our viewers? I want to keep it under an hour today. So you have okay. three minutes and 30 seconds. All right. It's my closing speech. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> if you do parkour, you should be doing it for the main reason of having fun. Uh, parkour or free running, whatever, it doesn't matter the name. Uh, you should be doing it for fun. Um, obviously, people have fun in tons of different ways. Some people have fun by conditioning a lot and uh, doing lots of practice to get some technical run or something. Some people have fun by just throwing themselves off stuff and and doing crazy flips and twists. Some people have fun by making videos to show friends or get popular from. And some people... There's lots of different ways to have fun. Um, so as long as you're having fun, I'm I'm okay with you. You know, just keep having fun as long as it's not hurting anybody else. All right. Uh, you guys heard it from Dante's mouth. You're going to see more of him in, in the film. And you're going to see him front flip to double A <laughs> twist IMAX because he's been talking about it this whole trip. I'm going to applejack bomb He's going to applejack bomb IMAX. Because... In the end, what are we talking about here, guys? It's time to one-up. One-up each other. I should probably go practice my front flips to double-A twists. Um, We love you. Thanks for listening. It's been a fun, fun stay so far. We got two more weeks left in Europe, and we'll probably try to get another two or three podcasts, ideally, but we've been slacking because it's been more work than we we maybe thought we'd have filming everything. You'll get more. But it's been a nice downtime today, so... Keep listening. Keep keep hashtagging Helms Deeper <laughs> without pictures of your testicles or anything. And uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah. Miss you guys. Bye.